Welcome to What Has My Attention, and this is John Beethan. I think this was a, I said this in the last episode, we don't get anywhere great by ourselves. And when it comes to knowing ourselves, you know, you're going to feel great around certain people and you're going to feel really crappy around others. And you have to know, oh, okay, what's triggering me about this particular interaction? Or why do I feel so safe around this person, these people, right? And sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we are putting ourselves around toxic people and feeling devastated and bad about ourselves. And we're choosing to accept that and letting ourselves suffer, right? It it goes back to the thing I said last time, which is some people have an unconscious investment in suffering and some people have an unconscious investment in joy. You know, and, and we can change that. That's that can be, you know, modified, that can be transformed. Only if you want to, though. Welcome everybody. And Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to be here. I know. Again, we had you on episode 40, which was not too long ago. And that was titled The Sovereign Voice of Influence, featuring Nicole Guberman with a ton of letters behind her name. And uh, yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play an excerpt from kind of a conversation we had after the last episode, because I just, you know, all of a sudden it just dawned on me, how in the world did we forget who we were, you know? So let me just play that and then uh, we can jump into it. And it's kind of like, God, Nicole, how did we forget ourselves? How did we forget who we are? We were born as innocent children, hopefully. And it's just like, how did we forget so much of ourselves? Kind of like that. But what are your ideas? I've been thinking about it in a variety of ways. One, in order to forget ourselves, that presupposes that we once knew ourselves, right? So what happens if we actually don't know ourselves? <laughs> then how can we forget, right? So there's that's one way of looking at it. It's almost, yeah, okay. So, so the, it, implies, it, it implies just being a human being and accepting without even knowing what that even means. To forget ourselves means at some point you might have connected with yourself in a way that felt true and authentic. And whether that's as a child, maybe you didn't have that experience as a child and you were, you know, shamed and silenced or whatever. So there you go. Now we're going to take off from there. Yeah, there's so many different directions to take this and I want to get to them all. I don't know how much time we'll have, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we can go that way and then come back and then go that way, or we can just do a full circle. What, Whatever, you know, I'm going to really kind of leave it up to you because I, you know, you know me. I'll just jump in with questions and things like that. But right. I did have a conversation with somebody about this subject. And uh, one of the questions that came up was the whole inner child question, like what is an inner child? If nobody had ever heard that term before, you know, and they're in therapy or something like that. What, you know, what would you, you know, how do you uh, define the inner child? And is it relevant to this conversation? I think it is. I, I think it is relevant. Um, inner child, you know, we go through our development as individuals. 
And obviously, we once we are born, we pick up influences, you know, over time, whether it's parents, caretakers, relatives, outside influences like celebrities, friends, things like that. And so we grow older, we become adults, and suddenly we are thrust into a different mode of operating. We, we are thinking differently. We've matured, you know, mentally in the brain, our body is matured. So the inner child is that part of us that existed from a place of innocence, from a place of not really knowing ourselves, right? We're still getting to know ourselves then. And the only way we can really know ourselves is based on the external feedback we're getting. So that's how we start to form our our identity based upon the feedback that we're getting. So if, if we don't get that any kind of feedback, there's there's quite a bit of an absence, you know. And so then we're developing ourselves in a certain way. You know, maybe we're neglected. Maybe we're not properly attuned to. That's that's quite a big issue. Um, you know, and and many of these things turn into something called complex trauma. Now I'm talking all, all about all these things um, from the perspective of an alternative practitioner. You know, a, a therapist, a licensed therapist, would be dealing with these issues from a place of why. You know, why is there a disconnect between who you are now and your inner child, and how do we? allow them to talk to each other, so to speak? How do we let the parts talk to each other in a friendly way, in a loving way, in an, in an accepting way? You know, I still do this kind of work today. It doesn't, you don't suddenly, you know, figure it out. It's, this is a lifelong process where you're continuing to integrate and quote unquote, make peace with your inner child, you know, from self-acceptance and self-love and self-compassion, yeah. you know, does that, make, well, does that make sense? Makes total sense. I've been going through a lot of core changes recently. Mm -hmm. You know, I told you I have a coach and it's just, she is leading me through or as a navigator, some really great changes. And I'm aware of this period in my life where I was like five years old you know, sitting in front of the television, I think I told you this, and rocking back and forth and watching Liberace, the pianist, and I was crying, not mm -hmm. out of eek, I didn't like it, but out of joy. And that's where that's where a lot of the fuel and that's where a lot of my child um, lives. So I've mm. been dancing a lot lately and experiencing that in terms of like brushing off the heaviness of what's going on in my life or frustration. Yes, yes. What did Liberace do for you as a child? Oh, I just that it was, joy. It was just an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. It was an emotional connection. Music. And did, yes, yeah. And we both connect that way because we're yes. both musicians um, at our core. And so when your mother watched you, do you remember the, her reaction? No, I don't. Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember her. I don't even remember the experience myself. I This is what she had told me. Oh. Oh, you used to sit in front of the TV when you're five years old watching Liberace and you used to cry. 
And I, you know, and she never really made the connection or she never really talked about it uh, more than that. Right. So actually, uh, your unconscious repressed that memory. Yes. Right. That's, that's often, uh, that, that's one of the prime directives of the unconscious, you know, mm. there must've been some kind of positive reason for you to repress it, or maybe there was a negative reason. It may not have been accepted. It may not have been accepted. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know too much more. Right. So, it, you know, your mind was doing that at the time. Yes. For a, a specific purpose, and it served you at the time. Yeah. Right? But yep. now you're realizing being so disconnected from your inner child that you need that part of yourself. It, it's no longer serving you to be out of connection, right? Yes, exactly. And, so and it, you know, yeah, that could have happened earlier even. You could have. It, yeah. Right. And I would take it a step further and say it, it's serving me really well right now. Exactly. That's the most important thing, right? <laughs> yes. And actually, it always has. It's like, you know, you know, usually it's, it's usually at a time, you know, I wake up every morning with music in my head every single morning and I do usually do something about it. And, that's uh, excellent. Yeah. So back to the inner child, that's an inner part of me that, you know, was not, uh, was suppressed as you might say, but it's like, I want to get to a place in terms of talking about this in terms of generally with a whole lot of people, because a lot of people go, oh, I'm not creative. And I just don't believe that, I, I just believe everyone is creative, right? Absolutely. And if they're, but if they put away childish things, they cut off that flow to that creativity, which really serves people, I think, really, really well. I think we're one of the few cultures in the world that doesn't have our own um, creativity, whether it's basket weaving or painting or anything else, you know. It's generally right. not accepted here. Right. Or we have to go within ourselves to figure out our own individual mode of creativity. You know, some people are more left-brained. They're more analytical. They're more logical. They function best in that mode. And so, you know, if you're playing around with spreadsheets and that's how you feel creative, for example, I just had a conversation with someone about that. That's how they viewed themselves as creative. And I love that because I was like, hey, if that's working for you, yeah, keep doing it, you know, yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't reflect negatively on you at all. You know, if that's what's working, stick with what's working and find the things that aren't working and yeah, tweak them. Exactly. Right. So getting back to a little bit of how did we lose how did we lose our connection with ourselves? Mm hmm. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Was it is it cultural? I mean, you already indicated, you know, it's like. It's kind of like, you know, who's raising you? My right. experience is if the grandparents are raising you, it's a very different experience than the parents. Is that, was that your experience? I didn't have that experience. I'm just aware of it. Right. That there's a stronger connection most people have with their grandparents than, it, than the, directly with their parents. And right. I think part of the reason is the grandparents have lived longer and they have a lot more quote unquote wisdom because of their experience and their time they have spent in contemplation of their life and experiences. 
Right. It, it's interesting you bring that up because I actually did not grow up with my grandparents' influence. They were mm. they had all passed away by the time I was like two or three. So it's an interesting conversation to have is how, how does that affect you? You know, it's it's such an interesting thing to talk about because there's so many different angles and how do you fit them all in? Mm -hmm. And what what it comes down to is what's going to work best for you? Do you want to know why you're forgetting yourself? You know, one of the reasons why I love the title of this episode, and perhaps it was unconscious on both of our parts, that in NLP, within neuro-linguistic programming, we often focus on the how. How are you doing a problem? How is this happening? Rather than mm -hmm. the why. That's more of a traditional therapeutic approach. So us saying to ourselves, how are we forgetting ourselves? You know, how, how are we doing that? What's the action? You know, versus why? You know, we can all ask ourselves these questions. What, why, how? who, where, and they all serve a very specific purpose to really yep, get so, that specific. So, yeah, what I know to be true, I believe, is the, is the how is generative and the why cannot be so generative because it is so open and vague. Right. And there's many different interpretations, right? Yeah. When you're looking for the how, it's like literally, it's it's so specific. How are you forgetting yourself? Are you dissociating? You know, are you dissociating from yourself? Are you denying yourself? I know we were talking about this. Yes, we should talk about The other about day, that. you know, this, this concept of self-denial, if you're avoiding yourself because you're focusing more outwardly, you know, if you're looking at the world, you know, watching other people's lives on social media, being consumed by a screen a screen in whatever form, whether it's your TV or a phone, the news, you're putting your focus outward rather than inward. And that's a, a really big issue these days because the connection to yourself is being obscured. It's being blocked. You know, we were talking about the concept of presence. How are you building presence if you're constantly outward? What's going on? What's happening? Who's doing what? You know, at a, at a, at a very basic level, right? So if you're focusing outwardly, your attention is, is in a completely different place. And so we were talking earlier, um, my opinions about this word are, I think, very interesting these days, but often people who associate with the term codependent or they believe they're codependent, they are focusing on others, trying to control others, uh, very reactive to other people's energy. Mm -hmm. And so it's often called self-love deficit disorder or self-love deficiency disorder. And I see that really as self-denial, right? Yes. So Self-denial seems like a simpler applied term. Right. And so you would look for the ways, how am I denying myself of a need that I might have? And often people who associate with, with codependency aren't aware of their needs because they're so focused outward and they don't even realize it until someone is bringing it to their attention or they're 
they're so out of touch with themselves. So mm -hmm. that's one way of basically forgetting yourself. And, uh, you know, I had my own instances of this issue. Um, part of it is positive because I'm just a very curious person. So I'm going to be watching and observing and learning many ways as, as a performer, I had to you know, look for a model and really study, study mm -hmm. the model. And that served a purpose for me. And then I figured out who am I as an artist? Who am I as an individual? And then even, you know, my particular background being a twin, you know, if you're sharing space, if you're sharing you know, a relationship with your parents, you're going to be watching your sibling, you know, and what are they doing? You know, what's, what's the response that they're getting? And so I learned over the years, that's, that's a concept called individuation, where you're really coming into contact with your own identity, who you are from your most core self. And so if, if that gets interrupted, or if that gets uh, neglected, of course, you're not going to really know yourself, right? And so that's another form of forgetting yourself. And that was a very interesting process for me because I really had to separate. I had to learn how to separate. And that often happens with twins or multiple births. You know, it depends on how the parents treat you. And uh, thankfully, my, you know, we're fraternal. So my parents were very clear about allowing ourselves to flourish as individuals, even though we often wound up being interested in the same things, you know? And then that element of twins being competitive. I'm not gonna dance around the reality of, of course there's gonna be some kind of inherent competition, you know? And I had to work through that over the years and realize that no, this is a loving relationship. There's nothing to be competitive about. I'm really, it's becoming competitive with yourself of how can I push myself? How can I grow? How can I learn? And, you know, I, uh, I often came into conversations where people would talk about that. I didn't really expect to go into that little rabbit hole in this conversation, but I think it's relevant, you know, to not shy away from competitiveness, to recognize as, to recognize that as part of your personality and use it to serve you rather than shy away from it, which actually disconnects you from yourself. You know, I, I don't know if I should go out for that, or I don't know if I should do that because what is somebody gonna think if I'm suddenly appearing bigger and taking up more space? There's nothing wrong with that, right? Of letting your light shine, you know, um, well, it's like I say in my business, imagine podcasting, because you have something of value to say. Go say it. Right. It's it's really, it's not surprising that I went into using my voice, mm -hmm. you know, because I had something to say. I had something to say musically, and I still have something to say, even outside of that realm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it became very, uh, very important to me to be able to speak up and help other people speak up. And so you're a twin. Did I know that before? Yes, because I believe you're a twin too. Yes. <laughs> I think that was one of the first conversations we had, but uh, we didn't really go into it. 
I know we never went into it, but it's interesting because uh, my sister is Joyce, and uh, yeah. we don't. And you know, we we actually ch- uh, text each other every morning just to make sure we're both on this side of the sod. It's just kind of a check in, how you feeling, what's going on, kind of a thing. That's great. But uh, what's interesting is that uh, at some point, like I found out the other day, is she's going through a very similar thing that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like we didn't have contact for years and uh, she was getting married the same time I was getting married at the time. I, you know, she got divorced a little bit later than I got divorced, but we were kind of experiencing very, very similar patterns. You experience that with your twin? Yes. I, I In terms of mannerisms and things, there are many similarities, but we're also very different in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. But often what we'll experience is I'll have a thought or something and she'll, she'll be like, oh, I was thinking of that too. Or th- there will yeah. be some kind of sy- synergistic connection Yeah, and we'll point it out to each other and be like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. yeah. So It's fun, isn't it? It is fun. It is fun. And, you know, we love helping each other and learning from each other. And in many ways, I see us as kind of like yin and yang. <laughs> You know, and so yeah. we we enhance each other in our own ways, which is great. Um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So that concept of individuation, mm-hmm. of how do we step into our own powerful identity, and if that hasn't really occurred, what can we do about it? You know, how do we go about changing it? Myself, I... I separated myself from my family for good many, many years, actually, starting at the age of 17, 18. I just had to get away and uh, eventually moved to, well, Santa Fe, New Mexico. You know, it was like many thousands or a thousand plus miles away. So it was just because of the influence was it just I just needed to be myself. Yes. So it was a physical move, and I, I I don't know if it's still true, but I do understand from, uh, from some people it used to be anyway in Europe. It would be very customary for people once they were married to move a, a distance away from the family, so that you they could create you know you could create your own family without the influence. I'm not so sure that's true anymore, nor do I necessarily agree with it because I think having family around you can be really really helpful. Yes, at the right time and for the right reasons, right? Yeah. I actually, I did the same thing um, after college. I went to Ithaca College for mm-hmm. a music degree. I moved to Seattle for like two two years to do an mm-hmm. artist, artist diploma. And that was, you know, within the realm of the, of the U.S., the farthest I could have gone from New Jersey and yeah. New York. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, I was like, I, I need to do this. You know, I need to get away. I need to develop myself. And and it was very important. It was an essential part of growth for me and then making realizations that family is very important to me. And it was challenging to be away from them. Uh, yeah. So any more thoughts on how we forget ourselves? Oh, absolutely. We could keep going. <laughs> yeah, let's keep going. Let's go, go in a different direction, though. Because we're we're talking everybody you know we're talking about ourselves right now, which is great. But 
Yeah. But yeah, I think it's important to see examples of it happening. So yes. people can relate. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's important. There's another thing we were talking about the, the natural tendency to want to focus on the negative, right? We were talking about negativity bias and there are numbers that are thrown around in this industry that we have 50 to 80,000 thoughts a day and the majority of them are negative, right? Because something that's negative when it happens, it's going to grab our attention more Mm -hmm. than something that's positive unless we've trained our our unconscious to have that hold more value to us. So we, we have to take charge of saying, I want to function in my power because the unconscious is really 95, 96% responsible for our behavior, where the conscious mind is really 4 or 5% responsible, yet we're really, I, I was doing this the other day, we're seeing life through this tiny hole of the conscious mind, and yet if our subconscious or our unconscious isn't doing its job, we're going to be making decisions and doing things and acting out of alignment. And so that's another way to forget yourself. Does that make sense? Yes. So, you know, when the news is negative, oh my God, suddenly our our attention is, it's going to pierce us. And, uh, you know, it. it well, it's a- yeah, I, I know I started this like 14 years ago, I, longer than that. I tell people if like, you know, what'd you say? 86,000 pieces of information a day and mostly negative. Is that what you said? By some standards? Our, I don't our care. Thoughts. For, our thoughts, yeah. we, we have generally, well, there are other numbers that are thrown around. Sure. 50 to 80,000. And then there are other studies that say 6,000. So, so the point of those numbers is to say, wow, there's a lot going on inside of us where the natural tendency is going to want to focus on the negative or what's not working. Yeah. Oh, my computer died. I have to get a, a new computer. This is terrible. I lost all my work rather than, okay, what do I need to do right now to be able to continue the process of what I was doing as an example? Yes. You know? No, no, no. Yeah. So my, my, what I was going to say is just like, if you want to kind of clean that up, just unplug your cable, stop watching news. You want to know what's going on then ask somebody what's, what's in the news. Seriously, it's like people, there's so much like the news is turned into this is uh, this is all the bad stuff that's going on. Right. And who wants to subject themselves to that? Yeah, I'm just done with it. You know, it's crazy. There's this natural programming to want to just focus on the news. Obviously, we want to be informed, informed, right? Know what's going on. But at the same time, we have to protect ourselves. You know, self-protection is very important. You know, and like we were talking about before, uh, with the memory of you watching Liberace, you were you were protecting yourself in a way, perhaps by forgetting that memory. Yeah. Right. We don't know why it, it's not really relevant right now, but that's what the unconscious can do: is protect ourselves from negative things, and yes. uh, 
then we have to work around that as we get older. You know, that's why it's so important to really know yourself. And if you don't know yourself, you don't know how to change patterns and behaviors that aren't working for you. All right. So let me ask you, how do you know if you know yourself? It's a great question. You're, how do you know if you know yourself? It's, it's a beautiful question. It comes down to how much do you trust yourself to be able to make decisions? How do you feel in your body? Are you aware of your body? Are you living in the present moment? Are, are you, you associated? Are you associated? Exactly. Right. Are you having racing thoughts? And, and you know, are, are you, is your body language, are, are you tense? You know, these are things that the body is trying to tell us and saying, what's going on? You're, you're, you're disconnected from the present. You're not with yourself. You know, where are you right now? Right. And if you're able to tap in to the present moment and be aware of yourself, be aware of your needs, be aware of your wants and the knowing of who you are. Right. Yeah. Does that, does that answer it? I mean, yeah, that, I love the question. There's so many different ways you could, you know, address it. Yeah. I, I just know there are, there are times um, when I know myself better than other times. Right. And levels it, and degrees. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. right. Because we're humans. Right. And you have to forgive yourself for being human. Right. So when I told what I told you about like music and dancing, and it's like when I'm really engaged and listening to music that I absolutely love, like I discovered this pianist, Simone Dinner, Dinnerhaust, I think Dinner, is her name. Dinnerstein. Or Dinnerstein. Dinnerstein. I, and, I have a, a Bach CD of hers or two, a couple. I fell in love with her many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. She's been around a long time. Um, but uh, that's a really good example of how I really know myself well, because I have listened to the uh, the uh, Bach inventions on this album of hers over and over and over. And the reason is is that it's not only I mean her playing is brilliant, but it is the it is the music itself mm. that's incredible, and it just does something for me that puts me puts myself back together. So that's one level of knowing that I know myself, exactly. that I know that I know what is, quote unquote, good for me, what helps me, what heals me, what makes me feel good, what, uh, you know, what nourishes me, essentially. Yes. What is cleansing you, right? Yes. How it cleanses you. And particularly, I love that you brought up Bach, because that's how I feel when I listen to Bach. I'm, I'm being cleansed things are being yes know, washed away and suddenly i'm back with myself you know yes. i'm focused right people talk about channeling and focus everything else doesn't matter except right now right here right now it only gets better if it, if i am in nature because mm -hmm. nature to me is the great balancer Absolutely. So I, I really feel myself and know myself when I'm in nature. 
So that's just those are my preferences. But I'm not sure it a- answers the question. How do you know your uh, you know yourself? I mean, I think it hints at it, and I think for many people it's different. You know, it's different for different people. Right. Some people are more kinesthetic. They'll feel yep. the knowing of themselves in their body. Yes. Right. Some people are more auditory. They'll know themselves if they're getting feedback or they're hearing something. Mm-hmm. They're listening to something comforting. Mm-hmm. Some people are visual. They need to be looking at things that remind them of themselves, that that tell them, this is who I am. This is what I'm capable of. Right? And some people have an internal monologue that keeps running. We call that auditory digital. Yeah. Where they're talking to themselves. Um, some people really love things called... Um, affirmations and i think they work in certain instances but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily address what's happening unconsciously but if you're feeding yourself these kinds of thoughts then you're going to be getting back in touch with yourself which is really the key love it love it yeah yeah so what lately what right now has your attention nicole Yeah. yeah. Lots of things. My family has my attention. Um, thinking, thinking, planning ahead has my attention. Uh, so, so many things, relationships and connections with friends. I've mm-hmm. got this blue, the blue uh, Zoom thing going on here. So it's almost like I'm wearing a crown. I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You do have something there. Uh, anyway. Um, What's that from? I, I think I didn't turn off my virtual Zoom background, and so I'm getting some feedback there. But oh, oh well. okay, it's okay. it's blue. It's one yeah. of my favorite colors, so oh, it looks like a crown. Um, yeah. But anyway, I'm noticing and um, the priority for me these days, and I think it's also due to COVID, mm-hmm. is really deepening my relationships with friends, mm-hmm. with colleagues. Um, with people that I may have unconsciously dis- disconnected myself from. Mm. And people are are so important, really connecting on a deep level, feeling authentic mm-hmm. when connecting. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, yeah. we can't function in life. I think this was, a, I said this in the last episode, we don't get anywhere great by ourselves and when it comes to knowing ourselves you know you're gonna feel great around certain people and you're gonna feel really crappy around others and you have to know okay what's triggering me about this particular interaction or why do i feel so safe around this person these people right once again that's a level of getting to know yourself right and sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we are putting ourselves around toxic people and feeling devastated mm-hmm. and bad about ourselves. And we're choosing to accept that and letting ourselves suffer, right? It, t- it goes back to the thing I said last time, which is some people have an unconscious investment in suffering and some people have an unconscious investment in joy, you know, and, and we can change that. That's, that can be, you know, modified, that can be transformed. 
Only if you want to, though. Yeah, you have to want it. Right. And why? And why now? You know, what changed, you know, to be able to make that decision? It really comes down to the decision, right? Making the decision. Making the decision to cut off all the other options. And that's, that's courageous. That's brave. That is scary. But... What are you going to gain from making that choice? So much. Yeah. What are you going to lose if you don't make that choice? You know, I love to think about all these things. Yeah, yeah. Fun, fun, fun. I do want to wrap it up. Sure. So um, want to do a little summary on this one? Great. So summary of today. We're out of connection. We could be out of connection with our inner child. Mm-hmm. Right. We could be out of rapport with our unconscious mind, you know, meaning we have problems that are going on. We don't know why they're happening or we're out of connection with ourselves because we've lost touch with our needs, our wants, our desires, our feelings, right? We're not present in the moment. We're being uh, bombarded. We're allowing ourselves We're allowing ourselves to be bombarded by external stimuli and focusing outwardly to a point where we are, in a sense, consciously overwhelming ourselves with others, right? It also implies a problem with boundaries. Exactly. Oh, boundaries. I love that topic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We'll have to cover it another time, but yes. Then there's, uh, you know, have you fully individuated yourself, you know, and negativity bias, right? If you're focusing on the negative, you are also denying yourself of what could be mm-hmm. or what else is possible, right? Our behavior and our, our thoughts and feelings and actions come from the subconscious. So if we're not programming ourselves to use that to our, our, our advantage, then we're going to suffer. We're going to be living below our potential, you know? And then are you really present with that four or 5% of the conscious mind? Yeah. I think I covered everything. I hope so. I think you did. I think you did. <laughs> I loved it. It was amazing. <laughs> Always a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, that's great. And we will do this again on another uh, subject, another topic. Fantastic. But I want to let everybody know you can uh, just do a search for what has my attention. And we're doing a whole series in Women in Strong Leadership, which is uh, really what has my attention in terms of elevating women's voices to be heard. It is time. And uh, yeah. So, Nicole, again, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. To get a hold of Nicole, simply go to trueselflove.club. Once again, that's trueselflove.club. Mm-hmm.